Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with your host, Nat Strong and Allie. Hey guys, and welcome back to episode 67. Natalia, do you know what the episode after this one is? It's episode 69, and it comes out on 420. And <laughs> you might be asking yourself, hmm, 67 isn't there a number after 67 before 69 <laughs> and you're wrong it goes straight to 69 69 comes out on april 20th and we're really excited about it I feel like we're making yes. history here that's right look 69 always comes after 67 when 420 is involved <laughs> that's that's what we've decided we decided that 420 was too hilarious of a number to not have episode 69 come out at the same time i like just thinking that there it's like an easter egg right like somebody is listening to episode 69 and they're they're like oh 69's on 420 and then they're like huh i wonder if they did that on purpose yeah i like that also 420 is a tuesday we normally have our show come out on wednesdays so if you're listening to this just be aware that next week our show drops on tuesday again it was just too big of a holiday to ignore (laughs) we really felt like we had to you know show 420 some respect you guys were like jumping through considerable hoops too to make all of this happen (laughs) like we've like really messed up our schedule We've messed up our sleep schedule. We've messed up like our lives. We're just really have we've been planning this out for a really long time. Look, I even so this is a weekend. I was thinking about going into work to get ahead on work for this coming week. And then I was like, no, we have to get this episode (laughs) recorded so that we can get episode 69 out on 420. So Natalia is absolutely correct. We're really we're really making a lot of moves to make this possible. So I hope this Easter egg is worth it for you guys. I hope the episodes don't suck. Right. I, I think they're going to be really good. We've been on a little bit of a roll lately of good episodes, I right? Think so. I mean, I think so. I can't remember the last time I put out an episode and I was like, that sucked. Also, I feel like normally if I'm researching an episode, I don't like I won't pick something if I think it's going to suck. Yeah. So if an episode ever does suck. It's really disappointing for us, too, because in our heads, it sounds so good. <laughs> like, I'm kind of nervous once episode 69 is over because, yeah, like what what is the next milestone? 
Well, for me, it's going to be giving birth because that's coming up really oh, soon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you guys. Natalia is scheduled to give birth on May 2nd. But technically, you were telling me you could go into labor at any time now. Yeah, at any time. So today I'm at 37 weeks. So technically, like if the baby was born now, he wouldn't go to the uh NICU or anything like it would just be like a baby he's like kicking around and stuff while we're talking and I'm just acting like everything's normal but it's not like there's something (laughs) punching my liver while we're talking you know (laughs) yeah well I really think that just adds on to the ambiance of the story I'm gonna tell you I think that if you're feeling a little bit of discomfort and hauntedness already from the inside then that's just really gonna make this episode great oh I'm so excited to hear it first I would like to thank our donors I would like to thank Kathleen G who has been Venmoing me 69 cents every single day (laughs) (laughs) she said she sent 69 cents a couple of days ago i don't remember when she started this it was i think a couple days ago and the message just said hey i'm gonna be sending you 69 cents every day i think it's for the entire month of april oh my god that's amazing she's been venmoing 69 cents the past couple days in a row and then this last one i just saw i got a notification on my phone about it and it was like hey i really hope these are going through to you uh because i i didn't hear um any mention of this on the last episode and i just want to say kathleen i see you and i am appreciating those 69 cents and i would also like to thank kayla m izzy w jennifer p elena b boo velvet which is a very Mm. it's a very sexual name Mm. um anonymous donor on ko-fi Amy S. who donated a hundred dollars. Wow. Thank you so much, Amy. Jessica J. Alicia C. and Sunny, who also donated a hundred dollars on Kofi, which is oh insane. Oh my goodness, these I can't. Wow, incredible! Thank you guys so much. And I would also like to shout out James R. C. Rebecca H. and Kevin S. for donating on Kofi. And a special shout out to James R.C. I see you all the time in our Twitter mentions. And he wrote on his Kofi donation that this is the first time he's been financially able to give us a donation. And I mm. thought that was really special. That so thank really you special. so much, James. Really appreciate it. Yeah. And congrats to out. you too, James. That feels yeah. really good to be financially stable enough to donate to your favorite podcast and things like that. Right. Absolutely. Feels yeah, good. I think so too. And of course, very special shout out to Amy S. and Sunny for making those large donations this month. That is fucking awesome. Thank you so much. Well, now I'm embarrassed because I said like James might be like feeling good to donate to his favorite podcast, but he didn't say it was his favorite podcast. He just said he like had enough to donate. So maybe we're not his favorite <laughs> podcast. Maybe we're just like right. he felt bad a long time ago. He listened one time <laughs> and was like, wow, one day when I can, I'm going to try to help those girls out. They're really just a disaster <laughs> and I feel so bad for them. This will and be my so karma. As soon as I, yeah, like as soon as I have just a little extra pennies, maybe he's like been putting a penny in a jar. <laughs> every every day since we started because he feels so bad for us <laughs> thank you james you're not wrong we really appreciate it and we do really need it so thank you um i would like to thank christiana whose name i accidentally pronounced incorrectly last episode it's christiana martha s shelby h caroline w and omar c thank you guys so much for donating Woo-hoo-hoo. 
Again, if you want to donate, you can go to letsgethaunted.com. And in the top right hand corner, I believe there's a donate button. You can also Venmo me at Nat Strawn or PayPal me, paypal.me slash Natalia Strawn or Cash App. My username is at dollar sign Natalia Strawn. Oh my God, an ant was just crawling on me. You guys, oh no, why? No matter where I am, I'm not recording in the closet right now, but there was an ant on me. Uh, but continuing on from what Natalia <laughs> said, um, or you can Venmo me at DogMomUSA, and you don't have to worry about which platform you're donating to or who you're donating to because all of the money goes to the same place. Yep. We use the donations to keep this podcast going, and we also use your the merch sales to keep yes. this podcast going. And I saw, Natalia, that you said we don't have very many pins left or was it phone holders both we are getting low on them um and honestly guys it would really really help us out if you would get these last pins and phone holders because if we sell out then i think Alyssa and i might be down to put something new out somewhat soon yeah so and if you have never heard us talk about our merch before, what well, basically this is what happens. Natalia and I have to sell merch in order to use that money to create new merch. So all of it's like a it's like a self-sustaining ecosystem right. because we use the money like we did a pre-sale, our very first merch, we could not afford to like just have the money to make the yeah. sweatshirts and shirts that we put out. So what we did is we did a pre-sale and then with that money, we were able to get the shirts and sweatshirts made in order and then ship them to everybody who did the pre-sale. And then we were able to do a second one of those. And then with that money, we were able to get these phone holders and enamel pins. So once they these ones sell out, then yeah, I think we're going to just go ahead and keep that ecosystem moving right. and find something else. This is capitalism right now that we... I think it's like... I think it's bad capitalism because we just keep taking the profits and putting it directly into a new piece of merch. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's not growth. It's just like one solid line. It's a plateau. Yeah. yeah. It's like if you're picturing a line graph, it it like doesn't get any bigger, but it also won't go down as long as we sell out of merch every time it's something new. <laughs> So head to our website, letsgethaunted.com. They're actually really cute, the pens and the phone holders. And if you've never done a, a phone holder or a pop socket on the back of your phone, I highly suggest it. It will up your phone game by 100%. And it's also really great to like stand the phone up to take photos. I'll stand my phone up and take videos of like horseback riding or like my friends hanging out or whatever, and then go back through. First of all, t uh, pro tip, put it on 60 frames per second, go into your settings. It'll make it like high definition. And then I'll go back through and oh, I will find the like go like through with like the skimmer and find like a really good frame and then that's how I'll get like really good casual photos of like my friends hanging out or like action shots of things happening and I couldn't do that's it without really the phone holder advice. yeah you guys wow. stick by me and you'll learn all of the greatest ways to <laughs> to get content to influence yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, I, I definitely agree that the phone holder is a life changer. Um, I don't have any experience using it to stand stuff up. But now that you said that, I'm definitely going to use it for that. But what I use it for is I like to be on my phone while I'm showering because I get <laughs> bored in the shower. And so what I'll do is I'll just like play Bejeweled or like scroll through Reddit. Oh, and wow. my hand gets really wet and slippery. And so I need the phone holder to be able to accurately grip my phone so that I don't drop it in the shower. Wow, that is peak addiction there. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever done like a deep conditioning treatment and you're just kind of standing in the shower for like 15 minutes? And yeah. Like if you don't have to shave your legs, there's not really anything to do at that point. So I'll yeah. just get on my phone. Yeah, that's what you do. You just stand there. And I didn't <laughs> no. know getting on your phone was an option is it waterproof yes it is look it doesn't matter because i have had (laughs) this phone i have had this phone for so long i tried to get a new phone recently and that was a whole problem that maybe i can talk about in a different intro because this one's getting kind of long but i still have the same phone that i've had since january 2nd 2017 and i've been taking it into the shower i would say weekly every ever since I got it. So I'm here to tell you that Apple might say that it's not waterproof, but (laughs) I am evidence to the contrary. You guys don't try that at home. And like, if your phone gets messed up, don't think Alyssa and I can replace your phone because we cannot. No, we cannot. In fact, the only thing we can do for you is if you buy our merch and we sell out, we will make new merch. (laughs) That's it. That's all you can. And you can expect episode 69 on 420. That's all you can expect from us. Hey, that's doing a lot. It feels like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, also, um, we forgot to say in our previous episode that we made it into Paranormality Magazine for the top 25 paranormal podcasts of April 2021. We made it into the top 10, actually. In fact, we made it into the top five. We're number four. What? What's number three and two and one? Three. Well, I don't want to give people free shout outs. Oh, oh, that's true. They're not shouting us out. Right. You guys, we can't afford to be charitable (laughs) with our podcasts unless they help us. But we can definitely say that Stories with Sapphire was on there. You might remember Sapphire from episode 50. And we may have a guest coming up in a future episode, but I don't want to spoil it. Should we tell them who it is or should we not? Um, We should give them a, a hint. Okay, what's a good hint? It's this guest co- is consists of two people, one of them whom <laughs> Alyssa and I share a tattoo with. That's a really great that's a really great piece of trivia. If you guys have been following us since the SP7 era, then you may know, you may have an inkling of who these next two guests are. <laughs> this is like the easiest <laughs> hint ever. Yeah. If you don't know who this guest is, then yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to help you. <laughs> yeah. All right, Natalia, are you ready? I'm for very ready. this week's story? But hit me. Let's go. Okay, Natalia. So for this episode, I was thinking about it and I was like, what have I not done a story on recently? Oh. Do you want to guess what I haven't done a story on recently? Aliens. Is that right? But yes, but also conspiracy theories. <laughs> I haven't, I like really haven't touched a conspiracy theory. I don't even remember how long it's been. Yeah, I feel I like. I feel like after you did QAnon, I, know, I was like, I, I had to take to. a break. Yeah, after I did <laughs> QAnon, I never wanted to hear another conspiracy theory again. Like I just didn't. Yeah. I just wanted to be like a sheeple 
and I just wanted to like <laughs> drink the Kool-Aid that everyone else was drinking and like not know the truth about anything and just be a good citizen and do my job <laughs> and just participate in society. Also, if you I don't know if you guys follow us on Twitter at Let's Get Haunted, but we recently tweeted a text conversation between me and Natalia because there's an article recently where Silicon Valley in California which is like where all those giant powerful tech companies are I guess are starting to research whether or not transfusions from young people blood transfusions from young people into old people halts the aging process which is literally the story from my Andalusian episode and also from Natalia's QAnon episode and we were just like no no I know (laughs) I said if if QAnon ends up being real, then I'm quitting the LGH. <laughs> Honestly, if QAnon is real, then we're all fucked anyway, because we're not going to the fifth dimension. Wasn't that part of right. yeah. the thing is like only the true QAnon believers go to the fifth to dimension? The- <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Which is also <laughs> insane that that is like their, their in- like the end of their belief system is that in like super, super intelligent, like superior life forms, take them and drag them into the fifth dimension. Right. But also Hillary Clinton ate a child. Like, I don't know how you get from point A to point B. I still don't fully understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't like my brain won't wrap around. So I'm really glad that you're doing no. an alien story because I was actually thinking recently Alyssa and I used to like Alyssa would always do alien stories and I would always pick ghost stories and that that was like our whole shtick but then like we kind of branched out and now we're right. coming full circle right that's right yes exactly coming full circle right before our most important episode ever which is episode 69 on 420 all right Natalia have you ever heard of the Black Knight satellite conspiracy theory? No. What? Okay. I'm so excited. Okay. Because this one is like full tinfoil hat, like oh my insanity. Gosh. I'm ready. Wait, Black Knight, like K-N-I-G-H-T or N-I-G-H-T? That's a really good question. It is K-N-I-G-H-T. So picture mm. a knight in shining armor but it's like a shiny black armor instead of that like silvery armor. Right. But also that's not what this conspiracy theory is about. So picture it and then lock it away in a box (laughs) and let me tell you what it's actually about. Our story begins on August 29th, 1954. Of course. When an article ran in the New York Times entitled Earth Satellites Spur Army Study. Reports of objects taken up by ordnance research at Duke University. So in order to read this article, you have to sign up for a New York Times subscription, which is really irritating to me because (laughs) this article is really fucking old and I feel like it should just be public domain and free at this point. But so I basically like I saw this article, like everything I read about the Black Knight conspiracy theory says that everything started with this article. But the super irritating part is you can't read it unless you sign up with a credit card. And so I didn't want to do that because that's <laughs> stupid and against my principles. So what I did is I just did like a Google image search with the headline. And then I like went to page 20 and I found this website called roswellproof.com that had purchased the article, taken a screenshot of it and put it on their website. Wow, they did the Lord's work. So I just want to shout out. Yes, they did the Lord's work. Roswellproof.com, you're a real one. And now I get to read you guys this article and you don't have to fuck with paying the New York Times Mm -hmm. 
a dollar every month for a subscription that you can't get out of. Yep. So I'm going to read you the entire article because I really feel like this knowledge should just be free at this point. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Quote, if there are satellites orbiting the Earth fairly close to it, the Army Office of Ordnance Research will locate them. That prediction was made here today by Colonel Walker W. Holler, commanding officer of the OOR at Duke University. While Colonel Holler has said that the ordnance-sponsored work in this field has not uncovered any satellites, a source close to the OOR unit here described as, quote, quite accurate the report in the magazine Aviation Week that two previously unobserved satellites had been spotted and identified by Dr. Lincoln LaPaz of the University of New Mexico as natural and not artificial objects. This source also said that there was absolutely no connection between the reported satellites and flying saucer reports. It is quite possible that the OOR has reason to believe that those satellites exist, but is withholding its findings until more datum is uncovered. Colonel Holler, however, denies that OOR is withholding any information. But at the same time, he had this to say, quote, If anything is uncovered, depending upon what is uncovered, all or some of it may be classified at this time, but not unless there's some real reason to do so. At present, the OOR's hunt for satellites isn't classified as secret. Colonel Holler gave the opinion that, quote, We have the best man available on this project in Dr. Clyde W. Tombaugh, discoverer of the planet Pluto. Dr. Tombaugh is among the foremost scientists in this field, and if the satellites are out there, he has the equipment, the technique, and the skill to find them, Colonel Holler added. The OOR chief admitted that Dr. LaPaz might have some information that, quote, we don't know about. We plan to do a great more work in this field in the future. The idea of satellites orbiting the Earth has intrigued astronomers for centuries. Aviation Week said that the reported satellites had caused a Pentagon scare until they were identified as natural objects. The magazine continued, One satellite is orbiting at about 400 miles out, while the other is on a track 600 miles out from the Earth. The article added that the Pentagon thought momentarily that the Russians had beaten the United States to space operations. The OOR here wanted to make it clear that Dr. LaPaz has no connection with any project of the OOR. Quote, As to the success of current efforts to locate an Earth satellite of the type described, we are not aware of all the work that may be going on outside of ordnance auspices, Colonel Holler declared. Release of details of possible future discoveries would necessarily be governed by considerations of military security, he added. Comparatively small satellites circling close to the Earth at tremendous speeds may have escaped observance, according to some astronomers, but now that Dr. LaPaz has reported detecting two such natural objects, the OOR plans to intensify its work in this field. Okay, so let's recap what that article said, because I didn't have to read you verbatim, but I just really felt like it's not fair that it's not public information, (laughs) so that's why I did it. But let me explain to you what this article is saying and then why we give a fuck about it. Okay, wait, can I tell you what I retained from that? Yes, please, please tell me. There's two random objects, like, circling, or two random objects orbiting the earth and we're calling those satellites but we're not they're not actually satellites they're natural objects and we don't know what they are okay yes that is what the article is saying 
And for those of you who have been listening to our podcast since the beginning, you know that I'm super obsessed with the Cold War and the space race and kind of Russia just in general. And if you listen to episode seven, The Phantom Cosmonaut Conspiracy, then you're probably already familiar with the space race timeline, but I'm going to give a super quick Wikipedia refresher here for anyone who needs it. So according to Wikipedia, the space race was a 20th century competition between two Cold War adversaries, the Soviet Union or USSR and the United States or the US to achieve superior spaceflight capability. The technological advantage demonstrated by spaceflight achievement was seen as necessary for national security and became part of the symbolism and ideology of the time. The space race led to pioneering launches of artificial satellites, uncrewed space probes to the moon, Venus, and Mars, and human spaceflight in low Earth orbit and ultimately to the moon. The competition began on August 2, 1955, when the Soviet Union declared that they would be launching a satellite in the near future. The Soviet Union achieved the first successful artificial satellite launch on October 4, 1957 of Sputnik 1, and then sent the first human to space with the orbital flight of Yuri Gagarin on April 12, 1961. Okay, so that's the super quick, super simplified summary of what was going on at the beginning of the space race. Now, why that's relevant to this article is that the whole purpose of this article was to say that the Pentagon had been made aware by astronomers in the U.S. that two satellites had been detected orbiting Earth in August of 1954. Now, the problem with this is that, as we know, the first satellite was not successfully orbiting Earth until October 1957. Right. So three years later with the launch of Sputnik 1 by the Soviet Union. So they're like, did someone else beat us to getting something to orbit the Earth? Exactly. Exactly right. And the article goes on to say that the Pentagon was super afraid that these two satellites either meant that, like you said, either the Russians had beaten them by years into space, which would mean that their technology was light years ahead of the U.S. technology, mm -hmm. or that it meant that some third party, like some other country that wasn't even on their radar, had developed this type of technology in secret, which at the time would have been like a really big fucking deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like if you're not in space yet and your enemy has figured out how to get to space, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. But also, if you think like, okay, if you're running a cross country race and it's just you and one other person and right. you're like, oh, I can totally beat this guy, like, no big deal at all. And then you get to the finish line and some random, like, third party is already there and you're like, this is fucked up i didn't even know that this right. person was racing and they're like already showered and like eating yeah. a sandwich or something they're like oh hey guys oh what do you guys think about oh. turn three <laughs> you know yeah fin i finished four years before you like <laughs> oh you didn't notice me so obviously this resulted in a full-blown panic and the U.S. government created a special team of researchers and scientists, the best in the field at the time, in conjunction with Duke University, to determine whether or not the objects orbiting Earth were man-made or natural. And at the same time that all of this is going on, an independent astronomer named Dr. LaPaz reaches out to the Times and says that he has determined that the objects are not natural and that he has determined that the objects must be man-made satellites. Oh. Then the Times takes that quote and they approach the government and they approach Duke University for comment about Dr. LaPaz's findings. And then the guy that they asked for the comment from 
basically says that he doesn't know who Dr. LaPaz is. He's just some random dude and he's not associated with them. So therefore, whatever he says is like basically not relevant. And he says that they have already determined that the objects are like meteorites. But then at the same time, he says that even if they weren't meteorites, I wouldn't tell you because it would probably be classified. But then he also says, oh, but the work we're doing right now, like there's no secrets involved, but like probably it would be classified. Um, But also (laughs) it's just a space rock. So everyone needs to stop freaking out. So we like just can't trust this person at all basically no not in my opinion <laughs> like i was reading this article and i was like what the fuck is this guy even saying <laughs> so making things even more confusing dr lapaz later came out and said that he made the whole thing up and that he had never seen any satellites and this basically ruined his reputation what why did he do that right well that's what everyone around him is wondering they're like why would you even say that? Because even if that's true, yeah. like even if you just decided to start this giant rumor, why would you come like at that point you're in too deep? Why would you rat yourself out? Yeah. Like why would you come out? Like you already have the attention yes. of the US government. Like why would you then be like, oh, I lied about it? And it, it basically like ruined his career as an astronomer. Like it shot his credibility. Maybe he was forced to tell to exactly. say that. Like someone had like a gun to his head and they're like, hey, you're going to come out and say that you're a fraud right well and that's what people around him were thinking they were like this is super out of character for him we know him as this super upstanding astronomer citizen and it's not like (laughs) him to do this so maybe the u.s told him like hey you better cut this shit out because if it is the soviet union we don't want people to know that they're superior to us right that's what it sounds like to me is that the black knight conspiracy so that's where this conspiracy starts And after this article is published in the Times, privately, some astronomers and scientists in the U.S. began to discuss a new theory with each other behind the safety of closed doors. What if the two satellites orbiting the Earth weren't made by the Soviets or the Americans? This could only mean that the objects were extraterrestrial in nature. No. Yes. This theory started gaining momentum among Americans and slowly a conspiracy theory involving many moving parts developing and changing over the years gripped the nation and conspiracy theorists the world over, forming what is known today as the Black Knight Satellite Conspiracy. Are these satellites still up there? To this day? Basically, okay, so this conspiracy theory, first of all, if you look at the Wikipedia article for it, it's like two paragraphs long. Like, Wikipedia does not give a fuck about this <laughs> conspiracy theory. And they basically say, in, like, in the second paragraph that they don't think the theory makes any sense. And that, because, okay, but the but that's reason not for why... Wikipedia to, under, to decide, you know, just put oh, out all yes, of the facts out there. And then let us decide what we think. And that's what I'm... Yes. And that's what LGH is all about. And that's what I'm going to do for you today. But in order to understand this conspiracy theory in its entirety, there's like a bunch of little pieces and like little breadcrumbs that were left over time. And Mm. so I'm going to give you all of those little breadcrumbs. And then at the end, I want to know what you guys think and what you think, Natalia. Is this a credible conspiracy theory? And it starts all the way back in 1899. So 
1899, Nikola Tesla built a lab in the mountains of Colorado Springs, Colorado, where he made a controversial finding, declaring that he had received several electric signals from outer space. What? He stated that the signals could only be from intelligent beings since they were comprised of orderly and deliberate signals that could not just be explained away as a natural phenomenon. In 1899, in a private letter, Tesla wrote the following, quote, We are getting messages from the clouds 100 miles away, possibly many times that distance. Do not let it leak to the reporters. What? I never heard any of this about Tesla. I thought he... Right. So, like, what do you know about Tesla? Like, he made the machine that has... He, he like, created a spire. I forget what it's called. Is it a Tesla? He created a yeah, spire. Yeah, the Tesla coil. Yeah, the Tesla coil. Like, it's, it's like, looks like a spire, and it shoots out, like, a, a lightning beam, basically, like a purple lightning beam. It's, like, a, a early form of uh, energy cultivation, right? I didn't know he was talking to aliens right yeah i didn't know that either and trying to cover it up and maybe some people who are listening to this already knew that and they're like whoa you guys didn't know that but legitimately all i really knew about tesla was that he made tesla coils he was super smart he was an inventor and i knew that he was working on the invention of the telephone that's like all that's really all i knew about him yeah and so anyway he sends this letter to one of his friends and then uh two years later It seems like he changed his mind about not telling reporters about his findings because he ended up publishing an article entitled Talking with the Planets to Collier's Weekly on February 9th, 1901. In this article, Tesla discusses the experiments he had been conducting at his laboratory in the Colorado mountains researching wireless transmissions of electrical power. Inside his lab, Tesla conducted several innovative experiments. First of all, he built the largest Tesla coil ever constructed at nearly 50 feet in diameter, and he began conducting, quote, wireless telegraphy experiments with the hopes of being able to transmit messages from Colorado to Paris. And it was during one of these wireless telegraphy experiments that he claimed to have heard the intelligent electrical signals of extraterrestrials. Tesla described the signals as meaning one, two, three, four, and interpreted them as coming from possibly Mars or some other planet within our solar system. And he writes of the experience in this article saying, quote, I can never forget the first sensations I experienced when it dawned upon me that I had observed something possibly of incalculable consequences to mankind. I felt as though I were present at the birth of a new knowledge or the revelation of a great truth. Even now at times, I can vividly recall the incident and see my apparatus as though it were actually before me. My first observations positively terrified me as there was present in them something mysterious, not only to say supernatural, And I was alone in my laboratory at night, but at that time, the idea of these disturbances being intelligently controlled signals did not yet present itself to me. The changes I noted were taking place periodically, and with such a clear suggestion of number and order that they were not traceable to any cause then known to me. 
I was familiar, of course, with such electrical disturbances as are produced by the sun, the aurora borealis, and other earth currents, and I was as sure as I could be of any fact that these variations were due to none of those causes. The nature of my experiments precluded the possibility of the changes being produced by atmospheric disturbances, as has been rashly asserted by some. It was some time afterward when the thought flashed upon my mind that the disturbances I had observed might be due to an intelligent control. Although I could not decipher their meaning, it was impossible for me to think of them as having been entirely accidental. The feeling is constantly growing on me that I had been the first to hear the greetings of one planet to another. A purpose was behind these electrical signals, and it was with this conviction that I announced to the Red Cross Society, when it asked me to indicate one of the great possible achievements of the next hundred years, that it would probably be the confirmation and interpretation of this planetary challenge to us. Wow. So he's basically saying that he believes he's communicating with an alien race. Correct. Yeah. So he's saying that, you know, he, one of like his pastimes or hobbies is listening to different radio signals as yeah. they travel around the world. And as we know, like pretty much everything can have a signal associated with it. Like right. there's an earthquake, you can hear that. Oh, the aurora, aurora borealis or other natural phenomena, mm -hmm. you can hear it, but they're not orderly. They don't they don't have any order to them because they're natural. They're not right. man-made. This seems intelligent because it's like it's like a pattern. Exactly. Yeah. So he's hearing a pattern and he at first is really afraid and scared because he's like, who could possibly be doing this? Because he's the only person at this time that's like really experimenting with this stuff and yeah. has the technology to do it. And so he comes to the conclusion that it's probably some other life form out in outer space that's trying to get our attention. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know why they're trying to get our attention, but he says that his prediction is that in the next hundred years, or people are going to know that extraterrestrials are trying to contact us. While Tesla indicated that he believed the signals he was hearing were communications from intelligent life on other planets, proponents of the Black Knight satellite conspiracy theory think that what he may have been intercepting were actually signals sent out by an alien satellite orbiting the Earth. The next event that conspiracy theorists cite as proof of the existence of the Black Knight satellite comes in 1927, when civil engineer and radio operator Jorgen Halls made an odd discovery while using his radio. Halls noted that several seconds after sending out a radio transmission, long, delayed echoes were repeated back to him from an unknown source. Ugh. In a letter Halls sent to a physicist friend, he wrote the following of his experience, quote, At the end of the summer of 1927, I repeatedly heard signals from the Dutch shortwave transmitting station PCJJ at Eindhoven. At the same time as I heard these, I also heard echoes. I heard the usual echo which goes round the earth with an interval of about one-seventh of a second, as well as a weaker echo about three seconds after the principal echo had gone. When the principal signal was especially strong, I suppose the amplitude for the last echo three seconds later lay between one-tenth and one-twentieth of the principal signal in strength. From where this echo comes, I cannot say for the present. I can only confirm that I really and truly heard it. 
Wow. And this discovery led to several physicists working together to, to try to scientifically explain the phenomenon. But even to this day, scientists have come up with many hypotheses, but no suitable explanation for what these echoes are. Wow. You know what this reminds me of? Uh, what's that book? What? I book I read about space. Fuck. Uh, oh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. There's like... Oh, I've never read it. Oh, you would really love it. It's really good. Actually, anyone who reads, or if you can read, you should read that book because it's really good. <laughs> but there's basically they find... I don't want... Spoiler alert also. I tell you to read a book and now I'm going to spoil it for you. But they basically find this giant like monolith on mars and they uncover it and find that it's just like producing a radio signal that's been communicating with earth and then and then they but but it's been there for like millennia so like someone came and put it there and that's like i wonder if this is if this is like that you know i wonder if that's where they got the idea for the book no that's a and that's also a good theory for the explanation of what it could have been and I find it really interesting that even to this day, like we've made so many technological and scientific advancements from the 1920s to now, mm-hmm. like technology in like gets better at like an exponential rate, like with every leap that we make in technology, it's like five times what where we thought we would be, at least is the way that I look at it. And I, it's just super cool that there's still stuff out there that we can't explain. I don't know. That like makes me kind of happy. Oh yeah. I mean, this. I'm really into this conspiracy theory because I'm. I'm already just my wheels are turning thinking about what it could be. But you know, it just takes so much energy and so much time to travel through space that if an alien race was trying to communicate with us, it would be really smart for them to send a satellite or some sort of like pulsating. Uh, type thing that's like orbiting a planet nearby that can send some sort of signal to us and they could make it in some sort of mathematical format where they knew you know someone who would be listening would know that this was a pattern that was not found naturally like in nature and they would they would be curious and investigate it and then find and then be like oh uh, there's more life out there you know no that's and come search for them perfect segue because so after this discovery, there was an as- this astronomer and author, Duncan Lunin, and he actually proposed exactly what you're proposing right now. Oh. And he said that he thought those radio echoes may have been transmissions from something called a Bracewell probe. And I was going to ask you if you've ever heard of this, but it's basically what you just described. Wow. So... Um, A Bracewell probe is this hypothetical concept that was proposed by Ronald N. Bracewell in a 1960 paper that he wrote. And Bracewell wasn't just like some random fuck like you or me. (laughs) He was an esteemed professor of electrical engineering of the Space, Telecommunications, and Radio Science Laboratory at Stanford University. And he wrote this paper entitled Communications with Superior Galactic Communities. He published it to Nature magazine in 1960. And in it, he wrote that in his opinion, if artificial life wished to communicate with us, the most practical way would be to send an autonomous probe capable of traveling into the far reaches of space out into the vast expanse of space. 
This probe would be equipped with artificial intelligence that would seek to identify orderly radio signals coming from neighborly planets. Since these radio signals would indicate intelligent life, the probe would recognize the signals and communicate by bouncing those signals back. Mm. Yeah. So it's literally what you just said. Yeah. I mean, I think, I feel like that's, we have so much technology right now on Earth um, or like orbiting earth that is just designed to find things like that you know like there's so many uh telescopes or or like like giant listening devices that are just listening for little anomalies all the time or just looking for little tiny like microscopic changes in light so we could maybe think maybe see if something's crossing in front of a star millions and millions of light years away and we're just constantly looking for things that stand out as out of the ordinary because that's like kind of the only way to figure out what's going on out there I mean space is so vast it boggles my mind to even think about it you know yeah and so who's like so who's to say that that's not what other people are doing right like okay so there's some advanced civilization super far away from us obviously and the most practicable way to try to find life on other planets would be to do what we're doing, but to do it with way more advanced technology. So yeah, if they could send a probe way out into outer space and its only sole purpose was to just find, you know, intelligent life, then one of the ways that people hypothesize they would do this is by trying to find orderly radio signals that indicate life. Yeah. Intelligent life. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So proponents of the Black Knight satellite theory contend that the satellite could very well be one of these Bracewell probes that I just described to you. Mm -hmm. And upon discovering intelligent life on our planet, the probe could have been caught in Earth's orbit, begun to circle the planet, and have been occasionally transmitting radio signals and or echoing back signals that it heard on Earth for thousands of years in the hope that one day we would develop the technology to detect those echoes or those signals that they were sending to us. And one of these signals could have been what Tesla heard and later what engineer Jorgen Halls identified. This satellite could then have been discovered by Dr. La Paz once the space race began, since this was the first time the U.S. became interested in monitoring and looking for these types of objects in space, since they wanted to make sure the USSR didn't beat them. And then also Dr. La Paz was threatened at gunpoint by the FBI to say that he made it all up. (laughs) Look, I believe that. That would not surprise me, especially during such a time of paranoia. We've talked about the space race and the Cold War and, you know, stuff like that. We've talked about that stuff in so many episodes and people were fucking paranoid. So paranoid. Like everybody was a spy. Everybody was a communist. Everybody like fucking sucked. Like everyone was suspicious (laughs) of everyone. Right. So there was so many opportunities for weird shit to happen. Totally agree. Let me just tell you that the evidence doesn't stop there. So it, it doesn't just stop oh, with like this, great. this discovery of these long delayed echoes that were coming back um, to different people that were listening in on radio signals. And moving on to February 11th of 1960, long after both the Soviets and the Americans had successfully placed satellites in space, a flurry of articles published the news that a third satellite of unknown origin had been detected by a U.S. Navy radar system. The object was described as being, quote, dark 
and tumbling. The Soviets stated that the object wasn't theirs, and the Americans stated the same. Worried that another country had developed satellite technology, the Americans scrambled to study it. According to Skeptoid.com, quote, the mysterious object was orbiting at about 79 degrees off from the equator, not the 90 degrees of a proper polar orbit. Its orbit was also highly eccentric, with an apogee of 1,728 kilometers, but a perigee of only 216 kilometers. The object made a complete orbit every 104.5 minutes. And if you don't know what any of that means, that's fine because I am not a scientist and I don't know mm. what a lot of those things mean. But the basically the important thing is that this orbital pattern that the object was displaying was a feat that neither the U.S. nor the USSR had been able to accomplish at that point. And the object was also reported as being much larger than anything either country would have been able to get off the ground at the time. Because we mm. have to remember that like right now, we can do a lot of crazy shit. Like we sent a car to space. Elon Musk sent a yeah. car to space not that long ago. But at the time, this was super new technology and getting anything into space was really, really difficult. That's why it was called the space race. And these two, you know, world superpowers were competing in basically mm -hmm. a dick measuring contest to see yeah. like what <laughs> they could send up first. Right. So, so this is like a big deal that this discovery is happening in 1960. And just a couple months later, after this object was picked up by Navy radar, Time magazine published an article on March 7th, 1960, explaining that the government had officially announced that Americans need not panic because the object had been identified not as a satellite, but as part of a capsule that had been lost by the Americans during the launch of the Discoverer 8 a 1959 American reconnaissance satellite. Now, the problem with this explanation is that the U.S. Navy had been tracking one of the casings already from this satellite when they lost it, and its orbit was similar but not exactly the same. Mm. So basically what the U.S. government is saying is like, nobody panic. We had sent the satellite up. It malfunctioned. It kind of like blew apart. And what you're seeing or what is being reported to people is not a satellite, but actually just like some debris from one of our satellites mm. that exploded. And the U.S. Navy is like, well, that's not true because we've been tracking all of those space debris and they have like a similar orbit, but it's nothing. It's actually like nothing like Wait, what is Wait, so happening. you're telling me the U.S. Navy like just disagreed with the U.S. government about yes. the cover up story? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And so this description of the mystery object as being dark and tumbling spawned the creation of the name the Black Knight Satellite. And more recently, declassified documents stated that the dark and tumbling object was actually a spy satellite that had been secretly launched into space by the Americans in order to spy on Russia. But a lot of people point out that this really doesn't make any sense. Because the American government surely would have known about this satellite if they had launched it. And then they wouldn't have conducted public studies on it trying to figure out what it was. Because that just yeah. brought more publicity. Right. You wouldn't expose your own spy satellite. Yeah. Why would... Like, unless you're playing, uh, what's it called? 3D chess, where, like... <laughs> You're like, I know they're going to think I wouldn't do this, so then I'll right. do it and see if... Right. They're like 10 steps ahead. Oh, I think it's called 4D chess. 
I don't know. 3D, 4D, you guys leave it in the comments below. I am, cannot play chess. I am horrible at chess. I just know that the horse does an L shape. And so <laughs> any kind of chess sounds like an amazing feat of like psychological power to me. So... <laughs> Okay, so the mystery only deepened further the following year in 1961 when a man named Jacques Fabrice Valle, a computer scientist and astronomer, claimed to have witnessed a French government cover-up involving a UFO or a possible satellite. And according to wikipedia.com, quote, in 1961, while working on the staff of the French Space Committee, Valle claims to have witnessed the destruction of the tracking tapes of an unknown object orbiting Earth. The particular object was a retrograde satellite, that is, a satellite orbiting the Earth in the opposite direction to the Earth's rotation. At the time that he observed this, there were no rockets powerful enough to launch such a satellite, so the team was quite excited as they assumed that the Earth's gravity had captured a natural satellite, aka an asteroid. And mm -hmm. he claims that when he reported this finding, when he and his team were super stoked about this and they document it, and they, you know, videoed, they video it and they give it to their superior, the superior actually erased the tape and destroyed all of their notes. What? Well, that's so rude. Why? Well, yeah, exactly. And so when people were asking Valle, like, that's a really weird accusation to make. Why would somebody have done that? He says that he believes the tape was destroyed out of embarrassment since the French government could not identify the satellite's origin and didn't want to be associated with aliens or UFOs. But proponents of the Black Knight satellite theory claim that this is just another example of a world government covering up information about alien objects to prevent mass hysteria from mm. the public if people knew the truth. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, that's the only reason to ever not tell, like, that's the only reason for governments to keep secrets, right? Is because either A, they don't want to be held accountable if they're doing something shady. Yeah. Or B, because they don't think that the average person that they represent would be able to handle the information. I think it's even deeper than that. Like, I think that governments don't want it to be clear that they actually don't have control over anything, you know? Like, if if there was some random alien, you know, satellite that was more intelligent than us, it would just prove that all of our like authoritarian system is just a sham like right. nothing can prevent mother nature or some alien <laughs> like race coming to our planet and just fucking everything up for right. them you know well right and that could create mass hysteria because instead of listening to your government or following the laws of the police or going to work every day like society would fall apart because you'd, you'd yeah. be like what the fuck there's this alien overlord that's watching everything i do well then what's the point like right. why would i care about the average day-to-day -day things okay this is kind of going on a tangent but i actually think that maybe that theory is wrong maybe that's what governments have been thinking all this time but i just want to point out that our government formally acknowledged the existence of ufos very recently and nobody gives a shit because there's a pandemic <laughs> happening so right. Maybe that was their strategy, though. They were like, okay, perfect timing. There's this crazy pandemic. Now let's release all of the shit that nobody's going to care about. You know how we talked about, I can't remember what episode it was, but the psychic eye. I think it was the MMI episode. 
Yes, yes, that was the distracting. Yeah, distracting the psychic eye. I think that that was part of it. Either they like they put out this UFO information right when this pandemic is happening because they feel like the psychic eye would be either going oh. towards the pandemic or the psychic eye would be going towards the UFO. So what they're trying to cover up on either side, I can't say. You know, maybe they felt like, oh, maybe they thought they didn't want to tell us that we were going to be in lockdown for like two years because they thought we would freak out. So they were like, UFOs, you know? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh, that's really, wow. You guys, I'm going to have to chew. I'm going to have to chew on that one for a while. Leave a comment in the SoundCloud comments. I think you're onto something, Natalia. I think that this can be related back to the psychic eye that Dr. Dean Radin talked to us about. And the government would be aware of that, obviously, because he worked on those experiments of trying to trick the psychic eye to be able to harness that for keeping secrets locked away, like government secrets locked away. So I think you're right. Why wouldn't they be applying that same principle to something else? Do you think Dr. Dean Radin is okay with like how often we reference him on this podcast? Look, okay, you guys. So (laughs) first of all, if you haven't listened to that episode, if you're a new listener here, there's no time to explain. Just search uh, Randonautica And in that episode, we interview this former CIA scientist, and he talks about a bunch of shit, including telekinesis, which the CIA was studying for a while. And I originally told him, I was like, hey, when that episode comes out, I'll send it to you. That way you can listen to it and maybe you can promote it. And he was like, yeah, if I like if I like the episode and what you guys did, then I'll promote it. And I'll like, you know, I have like I think he has like 20,000 followers on Twitter or something. And after I edited that episode, which, by the way, it took me like, I don't know if you remember that, Natalia, but it took me like a week to, it was Mm -hmm. so fucking long. It was like a three hour episode. I was so embarrassed of the episode because I didn't have the time to like edit any of his interview. So it's literally just like the raw audio from the interview. So it's me saying, um, and asking dumb questions and like tripping (laughs) over my words. And so I just never sent it to him. So I truly don't think he even knows what podcast he was on because i never sent him i never sent him anything because i was embarrassed you know what guys if you can find dr dean radin on twitter or on his social media and just say that you listen to his episode on, on let's get haunted on uh mind matter and on whatever it is mmi and just be yeah. like that's so interesting i'm interested in science now i'm actually wanting to become a scientist or just say some like really inspiring stuff to pull on his heartstrings that would be great Yes, please, because he was really fucking cool. And I feel like through him, we might have access to more scientists of his caliber who Mm -hmm. can like, I don't know, tell us more secrets because that interview was really fucking fascinating to me. Okay, but back to the Black Knight satellite. So the next alleged Black Knight sighting came in 1963 when astronaut Gordon Cooper was launched into space aboard America's Mercury 9. He reported seeing an odd green light outside of the window of his spacecraft. When he radioed down to Earth what he had seen, up to a hundred people at NASA's Mukea tracking station near Perth, Australia, reported witnessing the object on their radar screens, corroborating Cooper's story. When Cooper came back to Earth after this event, reporters who had gotten a hold of the story clamored to interview him about it. Interestingly, Before they were allowed to speak to Cooper, a NASA official told them that they were not allowed to ask any questions about the strange green light. 
Later, an official statement was put out by NASA, which stated that Cooper had hallucinated the green light after an electronics malfunction aboard the Mercury 9 had caused him to breathe in carbon dioxide. But a hundred people claim that they also saw it. I know. I know. Wow. They're just... How are governments this dumb? Like, you can't... Their cover-ups are so sloppy, you know? Like, just let the reporters ask the question about the green light and make something up and just be like, oh, yeah, it ended up just being a piece of trash or it ended up being like an American satellite that was next to us. It was, you know, or something. Or be like, oh, it was a meteorite and it created this green light as it was entering Earth's atmosphere. And the reason why it disappeared is because it broke up before it could crash into us. Like, yeah, like make something up. Yeah. Well, okay. according to History.com, Gordon Cooper has given interviews since this event, and although he refuses to discuss what he saw in 1963, he has publicly talked about seeing a UFO in 1951 while flying over West Germany. So this dude is a believer Mm. in aliens. He has given several interviews saying that he has seen a UFO before, but he refuses to talk about this 1963 incident where NASA said that he hallucinated. And I am going to send you a clip of Cooper, of Gordon Cooper, the astronaut, talking about this UFO that he saw in 1951. Okay. Because I just want to know whether or not you think he's a credible witness. Oh, I get to judge a book by its cover. This is my favorite thing. So this is a video published to history.com and it's called Watch UFO Sightings Astronaut Sighting Clip. And Natalia is going to describe it. She's going to listen to it and then describe it to our audio listeners. Okay. I personally believe in UFOs, and I believed in UFOs before I got into the space program. I just, I just personally believe that uh, there are other civilizations somewhere out there that uh, people are traveling from. Was that the guy? Yeah, that's the astronaut. Okay, so my first impression of this guy is that he does not fuck around. Like, he seems like a very serious man. So I believe him. I mean, I, already he seems credible. He doesn't, he is, he's looking straight ahead. He's not, his body language is not making any of those, like, hallmark lying or uh, not telling the truth, like, wishy-washy, nervous um ticks or anything he's he seems like he's telling the truth let's see what else he says early 1950s when i was flying fighters in germany and these objects were coming over our base that appeared to be the same kind of formations that we fly in our fighters on occasion their movements were more erratic than ours which meant they could really accelerate laterally and accelerate fore and aft more readily than we do but we felt that they looked very much like high-flying fighters, except they had no wings. They were certainly higher and faster than any airplanes we know of here on Earth at that particular time. And they certainly appeared to be saucer shape and metallic. Yeah, so the video that Alyssa just showed me was of a man, um, and he was saying that before he got into uh, being an astronaut, he believed in aliens and that there was an alien civilization out there. And basically being an astronaut and seeing what he saw during his training and while in space just confirmed that belief. 
Yeah, exactly. So I feel like he's really credible. I mean, we know that in order to even be an astronaut, you have to be super fucking smart. Like, yeah. It's not just anybody can become an astronaut. And I also think that, you know, maybe now it's more accepted to talk about like, oh, yeah, I believe in aliens when you have a really respected job. But at that time in the 50s and 60s, it was not like it was like a big deal to come forward and be like, yeah, I saw an alien. Right. You would you know? be a kook. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. OK. So now moving forward in time to 1973. Do you remember me telling you about Duncan Lunan? That was the astronomer and author who said that he thought the Black Knight satellite might be a Bracewell probe. Mm, yes. So in 1973, he did further research into those odd radio signals that had been picked up by Jorgen Halls in 1927. And according to an April 1973 article published to Time magazine entitled Message from a Star, Duncan claimed to have actually decoded Jorgen Hall's mysterious radio signals. Mm. Allegedly, this is the following message that Duncan decoded. Our home is Epsilon Baodis, which is a double star. We live on the sixth planet of seven. Check that. The sixth of seven, counting outwards from the sun, which is the larger of the two stars. Our sixth planet has one moon. Our fourth planet has three. Our first and third planet have one. Our probe is in the orbit of your moon what oh my gosh so like did we find where they are first of all i just want to say that's really bold i feel like now the human race is just not as ballsy because we whenever we think of aliens i feel like we think of aliens attacking so i don't think that we would just go out and be like hey here's our location you know right yeah totally and especially because I mean, a lot of people think, why do aliens even care about us? Like, why would they come here in the first place if they're so smart? And there are tons of different theories about why aliens would want to even fuck with us in the first place. One of them is that they maybe they want to protect us because maybe we're like ever since we started trying to develop nuclear weapons, the increase in UFO sightings went up. And skeptics say, well, that could just be like nuclear tests, mm -hmm. um, tricking people who are on the ground. Other people say, no, it's probably because aliens were like, what the fuck? This primitive, like fucked up society that's always warring with each other. They are developing these weapons that have the potential to not only destroy their planet entirely, but they could also like kind of fuck up part of the solar system yeah. by destroying their planet so a lot of people think that's why aliens even care about us in the first place so yeah to your point that's really fucking ballsy for them to say oh here's exactly right. where we are we know that you're like fucking up yeah. but here's where we are and epsilon baodis is actually a real binary star it's located in the northern constellation of baodis so it is a real place and the times article uh, regarding Duncan's hypothesis would go on to explain the following. Quote, Lunan searched back into the original reports published by Stormer and von der Pohl, who had kept records of the varying intervals between the original radio signals and their echoes. On the chance that these variations might represent a code, Lunan began to make graphs from them. He used one axis of the graph as a measure of the amount of times each echo was delayed. 
the other axis indicated the position of each echo in the sequence of echoes. Plotting the points determined by those coordinates yielded no recognizable pattern. But when Lunin reversed the axes, he got a striking result. A collection of dots that looked to him like a sky map of the constellation Baotis. Only the star Epsilon Baotis, actually a double star system whose members are popularly called Izar and Pucherima, was significantly out of place. But Lunin had a ready explanation for that displacement. He said that it may well have been the space probe's way of saying that Epsilon Baotis was its place of origin. Encouraged by this somewhat flimsy evidence, Lunin plotted more radio echoes, including those reported by a French scientific expedition that went to Indochina in 1929 to observe an eclipse. These graphs not only showed him the same constellation, but also indicated the number of planets around the probe's parent star. In fact, says Lunin, the logical sequence of one diagram is, quote, so clear it can be represented in standard, even colloquial English. Mm. Unsatisfied with a simple translation, Lunin went on to a more daring conclusion. He claims, for instance, that the constellation's brightest star, Arcturus, was slightly off to the side in roughly the place it occupied 13,000 years ago. For this, too, Lunin had a theory. This must have been the time when the probe first arrived in the Earth's vicinity and instructed its onboard equipment to scan the skies and draw up the star map. Lunin even speculates about the intelligent race that dispatched the probe. Because their sun has now expanded into a hot ball of fire called an orange giant, they were not merely seeking contact with other creatures, but were actively looking for a new planetary home in more favorable surroundings. So they're all burned up now? Yeah, so prob he's basically saying that, okay, the reason why they wanted us to know where they were is because they were in danger of burning up from their sun right. and they wanted us to make contact with them so that they could figure out where we are right. and then come and live on this planet. So by now, yeah, if this theory is correct, then they're all dead. That's sad. So <laughs> I know. So Lunin would later inexplicably withdraw this story, saying that it wasn't true and he made it all up. But then even later, he revoked his withdrawal and insinuated that he had been pressured by someone to say that he had been lying. I See, these cover-ups are just like so sloppy, so sloppy, that it, it makes you believe that there's a conspiracy because you're like, clearly they're covering something up, you know? Yeah. And it's also interesting that he, I mean, if what he says is true, I mean, we're taking him at face value. I don't know the guy. I'm assuming he's not lying. He went out of his way to study these uh, delayed echoes that people have heard around the world. So he didn't just stop with that one thing that he found interesting from that Norwegian guy who mm -hmm. was the first person to record it. He went on to study other people's findings who have heard these late delayed echoes. And when he graphed them out, according to him, the intervals that they create on a line graph are all the exact same pattern and that yeah. they're all the pattern of this star system, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... <sighs> That's a lot of information to take in. You know, first I'm finding out that there's like an alien race that we communicated with that's near enough that they were able to send a probe over. But then it's sad because like the moment that we find out 
<laughs> they exist, we find out that we're 13,000 years too late or whatever. Exactly. I know. Isn't that tragic? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like this needs to be made into a movie if it hasn't already. Well, I feel like okay. this is the position that we're in as in Earth like we're in as earth right now you know we're looking for other planets right to go fuck up you know <laughs> yeah no that's true elon musk is trying to populate mars yeah you know because he thinks that if he thinks it's just a matter of time before earth is uninhabitable and we need to figure out ways to populate other planets so yeah i mean we're doing that same thing so it's not out of the realm of possibility that a super intelligent race capable of making something like the black knight satellite would also be doing the same thing mm -hmm. agreed now finally the most important element of the black knight satellite conspiracy theory came in 1998 according to skeptoid.com Quote, in 1998, the space shuttle Endeavour made its first flight to the International Space Station on flight STS-88. Astronauts aboard Endeavour took many photographs of a strange object, which were widely available to the public on the NASA website. But soon, the photographs all disappeared. They reappeared on NASA's website sometime later, with new URLs and with various descriptions explaining them all away as pieces of debris or space junk. The photographs were of high quality and unmistakably showed some type of craft. Since then, we've known just about all there is to know about Black Knight. We know what it looks like, where it came from, when it came, its purpose as an ambassador, and it's been endorsed by so many reliable witnesses in the space program. So these photographs that this Skeptoid article is talking about that I just quoted, these photographs become the face of the Black Knight satellite conspiracy theory. Because finally, people who believe in this theory weren't just relying on radio signals or blips on mm -hmm. a radar. They had a concrete series of photos mm -hmm. of this object. So Natalia, I'm going to send you those photos now yes. and I want you to describe them to the audience. Oh, I'm so excited. Wow, I'm really fascinated by this right now because I feel like there's a lot of credibility <laughs> to this idea that an alien race would be searching for another place to live. And especially if what they're saying about that graph is true. It's amazing. Okay, Alyssa just sent me some photos. So I sent you photos and a link. I want you to describe the photos first and then I want you to click on the link afterwards. Okay, so the photo that Alyssa, the photos that Alyssa is sending me, I don't even, what am I looking at? Okay, it looks like the earth. So it's the earth and you can see, yeah, right on the edge of the earth, there's like debris and it's really hard to describe what this looks like because it's not really like anything I've ever seen before. It looks like it could be man-made or made, but it also looks sort of natural. You know what? It's hard to describe. Okay. It looks like if someone took a piece of tin foil and then like crumpled it up, that would be the shape that this takes. Like, because when you see that, you know that that material is not natural. That's like a man-made sort of material. But the crumpling of it, it just looks like whatever this is, is either designed to like mimic an asteroid or it's like some, I don't know. It look, it looks like an asteroid, but like at the same time, a spacecraft. I can't, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> and then if you zoom all the way in on it, can you describe the color and, and the texture to people? Oh yeah. So it's, it's 
black or gray and it's um the texture is like like I said like a fold folded sheet metal or something like that like it's there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of uniformity to it but at the same time um it's almost sh- it almost has like a nose and a tail you guys just have to look at this photo cuz I there's no way to describe this. This is like an alien, a piece of alien sc- spacecraft or a <laughs> asteroid from another planet that might be alive. Like, I don't know. It's like living. <laughs> it's like living and also a machine. Just look at the photo. Okay. So I clicked on the link and yeah, the the link is showing me the same photo, but from a much far further distance. And uh, yeah, it's on the NASA website, so it looks super legit. It's telling me that this was taken in 1998. Wow. And if you if you scroll down to where it says map location, image details, camera information, and download options, uh-huh. do you see that? Yeah. If you click on image details, can you read where it says features? Yeah, it says features, pan, pan it's a bunch of letters. Pan dash S N G L N T, and then it says space space debris. Exactly. So NASA apparently, when they first uploaded these images, they didn't have anything in the section that says features. It was just an image that had been taken um, on one of these space exploration missions. And these images, a lot of the time, um, will just be automatically uploaded to NASA's website. And then once this image started getting a ton of attention, uh, they pulled all of the images of the Black Knight satellite, or what people say is the Black Knight satellite, and then they put it back up and said very clearly on there, it says space debris. So they're trying to make sure that nobody thinks that this is a satellite. Right. So NASA has never released an official explanation of what this object is, but space journalist James Oberg published his opinion stating that he thinks it's most likely a space blanket that was accidentally lost during a spacewalk by two of its astronauts, Jerry L. Ross and James H. Newman. What do you think of that, Natalia? I don't think so. It doesn't look like a space blanket to me. It looks like something more solid than that. Like, because isn't a space blanket like made of foil and stuff? Exactly. A space blanket is super, super thin. Um, It's silver reflective foil. Exactly. Yeah. No, it looks like it looks like a lot more. It looks like a less reflective than a space blanket. Yeah, I agree. And also it looks to me, it looks very black. It looks kind of shiny, but it looks like the type of... It looks like something you would see in Star Wars, in my opinion. It looks like some sort of alien escape pod. Yeah. Like, it's just like flying... Like you said, it has a nose. It looks like it has a nose and a tail. So, yeah, I guess it could be a space blanket, but it's kind of weird that they... I mean, it's not really reflecting... You can't see, like, the spacecraft of the astronaut that the astronauts in that he's taking a picture of it you would think it would be more reflective i don't know i agree i agree so now we move forward to 2016 which really wasn't that long Mm -hmm. ago 
And on February 22nd, 2016, an article published to express.co.uk written by John Austin showcased a video which purports to show the Black Knight satellite following the International Space Station. And I'm going to send you a link to that video now, Natalia, and I'd like you to click on it and then describe the video to our listeners. Okay, Alyssa sent me a video that says... Leaked footage of mythical Black Knight UFO hounding ISS emerges. And yep, I'm pressing play because I need to see that. (laughs) Yeah, the express.co.uk website is a fucking mess. There's just pop-up ads everywhere. But the video itself is really interesting if you can get to it. Yeah, like this is, this website is so hard to... Yeah, it's trash. Express.co.uk, if you're listening to this right now, you need to figure your shit out because if you can't operate without 75 pop-up ads, maybe you don't deserve to be a website. (laughs) Oh my God. There's literally three pop-up videos trying to play right now and they all have ads on them. Okay. Yeah. I see the International Space Station in orbit and there's, yeah, this weird object below them that's definitely not a a space blanket and they've got like cool music (laughs) i know (laughs) there's like dubstep in the background guys (laughs) yeah that's definitely not a space blanket oh my god this music (laughs) why is there dubstep i'm gonna lose it Okay, I have to pause that, guys, because it's literally like a piece. It's like a a piece, like a satellite or like a piece of something, just floating peacefully in the in the air next to the International Space Station with the Earth in the background, and they're like playing the most intense music that doesn't go with it at all. It should be like some weird, creepy. Like alien type music, like you know, like not right. dubstep. It's also like it's also like very almost inspirational music. Like you should be seeing something that's like what? But yeah, like you said, it's just this very peacefully floating craft, <laughs> right? Like it's it's super. You're right. It's super inspirational. Yeah. Wow. So that video just really not only made me inspired but also i don't think that's a space blanket it just doesn't look or behave like a blanket yeah it doesn't to me it doesn't look like a space blanket maybe i just think it doesn't look like a space blanket because i've never been to space and stuff behaves differently out there in space but i don't know it to me it it looks like a solid craft it looks like yeah something solid and the fact that it goes into orbit and it has this weird orbit then it couldn't be a space blanket like can a blanket be in orbit for several years wouldn't it like fall back to the earth or i don't know like fall apart or something Well, and also it's very interesting. Well, I guess we'll get into it more with the theories, but it's very interesting that every time this object is sighted from, you know, 1899, if we believe Nikola Tesla had spotted Mm -hmm. it up until present day, every time that anybody gets footage of it, 
there's always a different explanation. It's like, oh no, first it was an asteroid. Okay. Then it was, you know, part of this uh, satellite capsule that had been lost that had blown up when it was trying to be launched by the U.S. Okay, then it was a space blanket. Like, it's just, it's always something else. You know what I mean? And it it can't be all of those things. Yeah, there's no consistency. Okay, so now I'm going to send you the last alleged sighting of the Black Knight satellite. And this video comes from last year on February 21st, 2020. A YouTube channel called UFO Sightings Daily uploaded a 22-minute video of what they claim is a UFO following the ISS. And this footage was taken from the International Space Station's live stream because they actually have cameras that live stream from time to time while they're up there. And it was uploaded to YouTube. And this particular YouTube channel, UFO Sightings Daily, he watches the footage. And if he sees something weird, he'll cut it and he'll put it on his channel. Wow. So you don't obviously don't watch the full 22 minutes, but um, you can skip around. And okay, yeah, cool. he's, yeah. So I'm op- shout out to this guy. I'm opening the video and scrolling around. Oh, yeah, I see it. Right. It doesn't look like a satellite. It looks like a stealth something yeah okay so sorry i'm gonna pause that so i can collect my thoughts yeah so now what i'm looking at doesn't look like the object that i saw before this looks like a stealth aircraft that goes in space like i can't remember i think it's called the stingray remember on the episode on uh area 51 that i did they had that like that crazy stealth uh reconnaissance aircraft that kind of looked like a stingray yeah, I remember that. This kind of looks some, like something similar to that. Like it's, I'm looking at it from above, but looking at it from above, it looks like it would be flat along the bottom and it's dark and it looks like some sort of, yeah, like stealth spy, like craft or satellite or something like that. It doesn't, when I think of a, spatel- a satellite in space, I think of something with a bunch of solar panels on it and, um, and this doesn't have any of that. This looks like a craft for sure. Right. Like it doesn't have any antennas. It doesn't look like it's sending out. It doesn't look like any technology that I'm familiar with. And the closest thing that we can relate it to is this reconnaissance aircraft that was at Area 51, which I believe isn't that one of the aircrafts that that guy said was actually a reverse engineered yeah, UFO? He did. That's correct. Well, shit, I don't know. That might be putting some pieces together of the puzzle. So that's the last alleged sighting of the Black Knight satellite, like I said. And this episode is actually pretty simple when we get into the theories because there's really only two. Theory number one is that the Black Knight satellite is real. And theory number two is the Black Knight satellite is not real. (laughs) And it really is that simple. So, I mean, there's certainly like subcategories under those two theories. For example, some people think that the Black Knight satellite is real, but that the picture that um, that I showed you is probably a space blanket and it's not the Black Knight satellite in that picture, but that doesn't mean that the satellite doesn't mm, exist. Right. Other people think, okay, well, Tesla probably 
didn't hear anything from the satellite. Um, he probably just heard something else because his technology was so rudimentary, mm-hmm. but everything else is true. Um, and then people who think that none of it is true, the main thing that they point out is that a lot of the people who have come forward, like we've discussed, have either been discredited or they've just said that they're lying yeah. or they refuse to talk about it. Right. So um, Which is for some people, suspicious. that's a point towards... Yeah, for some people, that's suspicious and maybe a point towards it being true. Mm -hmm. Like you said, like, I don't know, to me, it kind of seems like, well, that makes it more real, in my opinion. Definitely does. But for some people, they say, well, no, that is just proof that everybody's lying and everyone's just looking for something interesting where nothing exists. Mm. I mean... I'm I am super interested in this. I really like the part of the story that I really like is how they made the graph and found like translated the signal into English and from that got the exact location of where that alien planet would be. And then they they found a place where that would be and they found that audio told them about was like 13,000 years old and now the star is like a giant orange dwarf or something it's gonna blow up and or already did rather and like swallowed any chance these this alien race would have of living like away unless they found another place I mean their probe could have they could have sent out multiple probes that found somewhere else to go I don't know we were just too stupid to figure it out so they like went to a better place anyways I yeah, don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. Hope. I mean, that's what we have to hope for, right? Because otherwise, that's really sad. Yeah. I mean, part of me is like it's sad, and then part of me is like, oh, survival of the fittest. Guess your alien race doesn't get to go on any longer. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I'm just a for, yeah hardened <laughs> Earthling, true. you know. And we're just like, oh, you can't survive this shitty planet we're making for you. Then bye, goodbye, animals. <laughs> goodbye, everything. Right. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah. I, I really like that part of the story. The Those objects that I... Okay, so the object that might have been a space blanket, according to that one guy, did look different than the most recent object. The most recent object from the live stream looked to me like more of an alien spacecraft, but maybe it it's just because it was from a different angle, you know? Or maybe this, yeah. ha- this thing yeah. has like this sort of technology to disguise itself as like an asteroid, because an asteroid would be something you find all over the universe so an alien race like trying to uh make a probe that could be disguised would easily be able to make it look like an asteroid or maybe they would mimic it to look like an asteroid so that it would fly and behave like an asteroid i don't know i'm not like an alien engineer yeah (laughs) yeah well and that's kind of I mean, it's it's a really cool conspiracy theory to me because, first of all, it's a conspiracy theory that isn't hurting anyone, which I think <laughs> is always it's like always the best kind of conspiracy theory because sometimes Natalia and I will start researching something and then it turns out it's just like anti-Semitic actually. <laughs> yeah. Anti-Semitic <laughs> or like anti this type of person or anti that kind of person and so for me when I find a conspiracy theory that doesn't hurt anybody I'm like oh yes like I am super interested by this also I fucking love aliens now I will say there is one little section of believers in this conspiracy theory like this conspiracy theory kind of branches off into two different subcategories Mm -hmm. the the 
branch that I chose to highlight in this episode is the branch that believes that the Black Knight satellite is still orbiting us to this day, because to me, that's much more interesting. But there is a subcategory or the other branch of believers in this conspiracy theory think that the Illuminati's made a rocket in like 2019 or something and then blew up the Black Knight satellite. (laughs) Well, but I chose to not go into that one because, like I said, the Illuminati conspiracy theory can kind of like quickly devolve into like just some racist bullshit yeah. so i was like i'm just gonna ignore that but i did want to add that in at the end some people think it's been destroyed and therefore the footage from 2020 would not be the black knight satellite right well yeah i so you're telling me that this is still in orbit i guess so yeah they just yeah. saw it on the international space station less than a year or a year ago i i'm i need to look into this myself yeah, and I di- and I also am really excited about this episode because it's getting me back into being stoked about aliens. Yeah. And so <laughs> for episode 69, I'm going to do possibly something more with aliens. Oh, wow. Mm. I'm yeah, that was a great episode. Thank you. So guys, if you are interested in the Black Knight satellite, definitely go to at Let's Get Haunted on Instagram because I will be posting all of the images discussed from this episode, all of the video footage discussed in this episode. Um, yeah, I mean, it, f- fuck, I don't know. I'm going to be thinking about this one for a long time. I, I'm just like picturing someone that is not a space blanket i'm just picturing someone making memes of things that are obviously not space blankets and just labeling it space blanket like it's like a picture of a dog and it just says like nasa space blanket you know (laughs) or like yeah just photos of random things and it just says like the space debris even though it's like clearly not you know (laughs) right no oh my god no we should we should absolutely just start tweeting out images of things that are like or fake headlines that'll be like nasa releases new photo of lost space blanket and it's yeah just a picture of a cat or a picture of a tree right or like a burglar or something you know (laughs) (laughs) just anything it's 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 like a Chuck E. Cheese animatronic in outer space just orbiting the Earth. Calling something a space blanket is now just like a, a cover, a shitty cover up, I feel like. Like, right. you know, your your significant other comes up to you and they're like, hey, I saw on the Nest camera that like someone else's car pulled up here and they like dropped you off last night. Like, what the deal? What's the deal with that? And you're like, that's a, that was a space blanket. <laughs> <laughs> You know, or like just any sort of just like really poorly devised, not well thought out cover up is just a space blanket. I feel like. Oh, that makes that actually makes me really happy. I like thinking about that. That's really funny. You guys, some some of you have DM'd me saying, hey, what fan art do you guys want? Or I want to draw something for you guys. What should I draw? Do something with that. Like yeah. draw, draw something involving a space blanket that very obviously is not a space blanket because that would bring me a lot of joy. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. Well, let me read my sources real yes. quick. My sources for this episode are The New York Times, Roswellproof.com, Wikipedia, Express.co.uk, Content.time.com, www.history.com, furiousfanboys.com, 
skeptoid.com and then those two YouTube videos that I cited earlier, one of which is from this really dope channel called UF Sightings Daily, which is the guy that just watches the live streams from the ISS. Mm. And then if he sees anything interesting, he cuts it out. I really feel like that guy is doing the Lord's work. Yeah, definitely. We need more people like that right. in this world. Well, Natalia, do you want to do our sign off? Sure. Let me think about it. Ugh, my pregnancy brain is so bad, but I'm trying to think. BRB, gotta go find a screenshot of an article from the New York Times online <laughs> and read it in its entirety word for word on my podcast <laughs> so that the public can have free access to it rather than pay $1 per month for a New York Times online <laughs> subscription. <laughs> Yes, thank you, Natalia. That is our promise to you as a podcast. I will cite my sources and I'll tell you that I'm quoting from it. I'm not going to lie and say it's my words. But at the same time, that's fucking bullshit. We need access to these old articles. Right, remove those. Remove the $1 a month barrier. Bye. Bye.